going to invite Roy Childs up. Roy was, we got a call at 4 o'clock on Friday, and uh, Red Cross said, hey, we need you. And Roy was up here, and Butch was up here hooking up the shower trailer. And so since 4 p.m. on Friday, we've been sheltering. So Roy, come on up. So I want Roy just to share a little bit about what he's been experiencing, what he's been, God's been doing in him in this mess. This is uh, Roy Childs. He's my little brother. Good morning, everybody. Um, I may have to get Mark to come help me. <laughs> he held it together a little better than I'll, than I'll probably will. I have Colossians 3.12. 312. It's been taped to the dash of my pickup. Therefore, as, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Y'all have done that. Okay? Y'all have reached out to the community. Y'all have brought them in. You have loved them. I thank y'all for y'all's support. All I've done is just, I've just been up here answering questions. Y'all have done it all. Okay? Um, one thing that comes to my mind is Butch and Mike, we, we've adopted or whatever another shower unit from the Gambrel Association. Butch and Mike, the washing machines and dryers are shot. Okay, they don't work. We need to get it out. We need to get it deployed. So Mike and Butch went out there, and they started stripping stuff out of it. Butch is like, how are we going to get it out? We've got to get it replaced. You know, we've got to do this. We've got to be self-contained when we go. They're out there. We got the washing machines out. We got the dryers out. We tossed them on the ground. I come back inside the church. Somebody met me at the door over there saying, hey, we got a guy here that wants to visit with you. I cannot pronounce his name. I do not know his last name, but he is Tank, and he is the helicopter pilot for APD. He said, I've got a group of people that's got $50,000. And he said, what are your needs? I said, come on, brother, let's go. <laughs> he showed up. I've been in the building five minutes. Butch and Mike, I had to go find them. They were digging around out back trying to cipher and figure out things to do and everything. And He did it before we, he knew before we ever, he knew our needs before we did. He's answered them, Okay. <laughs> The food, the people that have served. We've broke bread with a lot of churches in this town. My prayer is that those walls continue to crumble, that we come together as a community that knows, that is known for praying and loving Jesus. Okay? I love y'all. I thank y'all. Roy Marlene's picked up the shower trailer and gone. Vans brought ice. Mike served food 
It's just, and that's everybody. You guys being up here at 6 o'clock in the morning to fix breakfast, doing things. The food that has flowed in is just overwhelming and unbelievable. So, um, I've been ugly towards the Baptist men because I don't agree with their ways. Okay? But I walked in the mud this week, and it's been good for me. Awesome. This is a box. Most of our lives, God resides in a box like this. This week, many of our neighbors have hoped that they can walk out with this much of a box of their belongings and their memories. This week, I pray if through all of this that the box of who your God is has been opened. Your box of who your neighbor is has been opened. The box of your heart, of your compassion and what community looks like has been opened. And that one of the things that I've told you since I've been here is my prayer is that we would weep over our city and our county like Jesus does. And that we would see our neighbors and those around us like Jesus does. And I think this week it took this for many of us to get to that place. And so I hope that you don't do this in the coming weeks. As you get back to normalcy and you take your God and you place him back and say, God, when I need you, I'll call you. Because listen, we've seen that our God is faithful, our God is powerful. And God has a, will do His work, whatever He needs to do, to do it. And there are those, even here this morning, that everything they've got is here. And they're starting over. And they need us to walk with them day in and day out, week in and week out, month out and month out, until it's back to whatever the new normal will look like. What my hope is, is that here at Second and in the churches around here, is that our new normal is that we open our arms, we open our doors, and we are available to each and every one in the community. The one thing about a catastrophe, a disaster like this, is it puts everyone, no matter your socioeconomic background, your education, whatever it is, it brings all of us to equal footing. And all of us in some way have been impacted by this. This morning, one of the things that as a pastor that, that I struggle with is to give you the answers on why God would allow something like this to happen here. And these are one of those moments where no matter how good my telephone line is, He doesn't give me, even me, the answer. So where this is the morning, I want us just to think about that we are living life as followers of Jesus. We live life in the questions of life, that there are going to be moments like this where we ask why, we ask who, we ask what, 
and that as we grow in our understanding of who God is, that those are great questions, those are important questions, but even through that, God presses into us as we press into Him. And He never, He's always faithful, He's always present, and He has always been present. It's just that our eyesight and our perception has radically been changed. So this morning, the first thing I want to just bring to you is this question of why. God doesn't promise us answers, but He promises His presence. He's always going to be present. In Psalm 73, 23, it says, I am always with you, and you hold me by your right hand. This is the idea of that with our strongest hand, we are holding on and gripping on, and that He's God, and He is not going to let go to us. No matter what we feel like, how desperate we are, He's not going to let go, and we are clinging on with everything that we got. He is always with us. There's a security in that. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 20, the very last things that he's saying to his disciples as, he, as he's about to physically leave the earth, he says to them, Surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. God doesn't promise us necessarily the answers in the midst of the chaos and the confusion, but he promises us himself. And these are those moments where we can lean into him and get to know him and to love him and experience him on a deeper level. Why don't I know, but I do know this, that God loves us and He hurts for us. Psalm fifty-five, twenty-two: Cast your cares on the Lord and He will sustain you. 1 Peter 5, 7. Cast all your anxiety on Him. Anybody anxious this week? God's saying, listen, throw them to me. Let me catch them. Let me carry them. They're not yours. Pass them on to me. I'm big enough. I can handle it. Cast them on Him. He will care. He has given us His most prized possession in His Son, Jesus Christ. Why would He not continue to give us His best to us, His children? He's never given us seconds. Why would He start to give us seconds now? Proverbs 3, 5, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. He wept. Jesus wept when he looked over the city. Whenever his best friend had died, he wept over them. Our Father, our Jesus, is in our emotions. He's experienced what we've experienced. He is weeping with us. He's in us in our loss. He's in us in our catastrophe. He's allowing us in this moments to, to understand and to draw into his heart and how he weeps over his people. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Doubt and questions is not the opposite of faith. Listen, there's going to be moments in the midst of this whenever you're doubting and you're questioning and you're asking these questions. One of the things that I've learned throughout is that doubt and questions isn't the opposite of faith. It allows us to drill down deeper into our faith. It allows us to grow deeper in our trust. That as we ask these questions, that God provides answers along the way. It allows us to press into Him. It allows us to develop deeper trust in Him, so that when you know that, you know what, that first time that you sat in a chair, you didn't know if that chair was going to work, and you sat down in it, and it worked, right? And so every time that you've had an experience with God, and God's taken you deeper, every time that you've sat down into the chair that God wants you to sit in, over and over and over again, it's there when you need it. For us, this week, this past week, this coming week, every single day, every single step is a step of trust. 
that right now as you look out, you may not see what the future holds. You haven't known what the future holds anyway. We've just been doing it at our own plan. And so now we're going to have to trust even a little bit more. And you step out and you don't know and the next step is provided. One day, one second, one minute at a time. Living in the questions of why, but also who. This week you've looked around and you've asked who needs help. Who needs me? Who needs what I've got? Who can help me? And so in these moments, the church, the people look more like the church of God. They look more like followers of Jesus than ever before because we're literally looking outside and saying, who needs me or who can I have a join in community with me? 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3-4 through 4 says this, Praise be the God, our Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Father of compassion, as Roy talked about. The God of all comfort, who comforts us in His troubles, in our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. In other words, God does not waste our pain. Some of you have been through similar situations before, and so you can walk alongside people and say, listen, I may not understand the fullness of this, but I can walk alongside of you. I can be a part of the comfort. And this comfort idea is that literally that God wraps his arms around us and he hugs us. Some of you have gotten hugs this week. Am I right? And when you need a hug, when you need those moments, that hug, you just kind of fall into that. And you just sink into it in those moments. That's what God's saying. Listen, I am here in compassion and I want to comfort you and I want to envelop you in my presence so that you know that I love you. And I care for you and I have great compassion for you. And I'm walking through this moment with you and that I hold you by your right hand, by your strength, that I know that you feel like it's slipping away. But God's like, listen, you will not fall away from me. I have got this. You're my child. Why and who God has got it. In Psalm 34:18, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. And He saves those that are crushed in spirit. This week, many of us have, are brokenhearted and crushed in spirit. And God is walking through us. And again, it's those moments where we're pressing in to Him. Our eyesight and our perspective has been radically changed. What now? John chapter 9, there's a story of a blind man. And he'd been born blind. And so since birth... And in those days, they felt like, hey, if you were born blind or if you had sickness or something that was because of sin or something in your life that was, that was bad, mistakes that you had made. And so the people came up to Jesus and said, hey, Jesus, how come this blind man has been blind since birth? What did his parents do? And Jesus' response is true even for us today. He said the reason or the opportunity for this man to be blind is so that God can show the fullness of His power to glorify Himself. And so even in something as tragic as blindness, that the Spirit, the power of God, literally dynamite power of God to transform and to change and to, to see tragedy brought to life, that that kind of power resides in these moments. And so for us in this, that God's saying, listen, that I am with the brokenhearted, I am with you, and the power of me inside of you as you go out and do things is the power to change lives. 
that the way that you've loved, the way that you've cared, the way that you've said, who can I be a neighbor to, who can I care for, in those moments transforms lives. What now, I think the church has been the church more this week here than it maybe has been in a long time. In Acts chapter 2, it says, a deep sense of awe came over all of them. This is the church as it started. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. That's been happening over in the fellowship hall. There's been coming and going and sharing and giving, and what can I do, what can I give? And a deep sense of awe came over all of them, over the, the group, but also the entire, the entire city. And they sold their property and their possessions and shared their money with those in need. And that's been one of the most beautiful things to me as I've been up here and Roy's been up here and others of you been up here. is like people coming up and saying, hey, what do you need? What can I give? What are the opportunities? Give me specifically what you need. And it reminded me of those moments where Jesus says, listen, you don't have because you don't ask. And so I've repeated that over and over this week. People have talked to them and I said, hey, listen, what do you need? And they're like, I don't know. Ask for what you need in this moment. We are here. There are people all over the state of Texas, all over the country that have been calling me and texting me and saying, Chris, what do your people need? Ask and you will receive. The church coming together saying, listen, we see a need and we want to jump in it. The church in action this week. How are we here at Second? How are we going to continue to respond? We're just going to continue being who we are. Continue to see opportunities to serve and to love and to care and to reach out with no expectation other than we want you to know that Jesus loves you because we've experienced his love and we want to pass that on. A servolution, a revolution of service, sharing and showing the love of Christ. It's radical, but simple, to look at your neighbors and to weep over them. Listen, we're living life in the questions, the whys, the whats, the hows, the whos. And that's a part of this faith thing is that I know that I know that I know because I've tasted and I've seen that I know that my God is good. That the reason that we can sing the songs that we sang early in the, in, earlier in the service, that, that my God is faithful, that, that my God has, has provided over and over and over again. The reason is because I've tasted and I've seen it and I understand it. That all throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, whenever it talks about knowing God, it's not an intellectual knowing, but it's a knowing from here that I've experienced Him in such a way that I know without a shadow of a doubt that He is God and that He has transformed my life and working in me. And the same is true for you. This week, as a church, I want to applaud you for what you've done. You've been up here at 4 o'clock in the a.m. You've been here at random hours. You've come after work and you've done everything. You have been the body, the hands and feet of Jesus. One of our verses for our mission trip this past few weeks to Puerto Rico was, how beautiful are the feet of those that bring the good news of Jesus Christ. You don't have to go to Puerto Rico. Mission trip is right here. Love your neighbor. The last thing that Jesus told his disciples is, what are you supposed to do? He says, therefore go and make disciples by loving your neighbor. Thank you for loving your neighbor. Keep loving your neighbor. We don't have all the answers, but we do know how to love our neighbor. 
give them what they need, provide them for what they need. If you don't have it, then ask others. There's so much that people want to give. Let's pray this morning. Father, thank you that we can, as people of faith, still live with questions. We don't have to have all the answers. But Father, we just need to press into you. And I've, I've seen so many press into you this week. In the middle of their own brokenness, in the middle of their own hurt, in the middle of their own tears, in the middle of their own doubt and their own questions, they pressed in and they continued to love. Even see people that have lost their homes and lost everything they have say, you know what, I still got, and they start to list off, I've got blessings. Count your blessings, name them one by one. family, your friends, your work. Love your neighbor with everything that you've got. This morning, as we just continue our time, just to, just to reflect and to, again, we don't, we don't have any answers. The only answer that we have this morning is that our God is brokenhearted over us was so brokenhearted, he gave his gift, the gift, the greatest gift that he could give us in the person of Jesus Christ. And that once you've experienced life through Jesus, that you know, that you know, that you know, that you can trust God. Even in the deepest, darkest moments of life, that he is with us. Surely he is with us to the end of the age we cast our cares and our burdens on Him. Matthew chapter 11. Jesus says, My yoke, my burden that I give to you as followers is light. And so many times as humans, as Americans, especially as Texans, we are Texas strong and we think that that means that the weight of the world should be on our own shoulders and carry it. Jesus says, listen, cast that stuff on me. One of the things this morning is that um, there are people literally all over the world watching and participating in you with worship that have, one, have worshipped with you throughout the week by the way that they've brought gifts and that they've come and served. That is worship, my friends. Worship doesn't happen 1030 to 1130 here. This is a celebration of the worship that's been happening throughout the week. And so you guys have worshipped well this week. The Father is pleased with your worship. Well done, my faithful servants. So continue to cast your burdens. Continue to to meet with your neighbors and to help them cast the burdens and say, listen, we are here with you as a community to help you rebuild. And one of the things that we talk about here all the time are no perfect people are are allowed here. So you look around and realize nobody in this room is perfect. But that's beautiful. It's beautiful in the sight of God. Everything that you've done to worship this week has been beautiful. may not be perfect, but it's been beautiful in the sight of God. You've ever gotten one of those drawings from your kids or grandkids, and they come up to you and say, Daddy, Grandma, look at this drawing. And you're thinking to yourself in the inside, this is the 
worst looking thing I've ever seen in my life. But as a parent and as a grandchild, you're like, this is a treasured gift. This week, some of you may have felt like you've brought the ugliest thing that you could possibly bring, but it's your act of worship, and the Father is saying, it is beautiful. Continue to worship by loving your neighbors. So you can be seated for just a moment. I'm going to invite my friend, Becky, up here just to share a few words. I'm not quite sure how to respond to that one. <laughs> for those of you that don't know, my name is Becky Little, and I am um, Pastor Chris's wife. And, uh, or today I'm his friend. <laughs> oh, I needed to laugh. Thank you. Um, so amidst all of this, um, we had to leave Friday evening, and we left about 7 o'clock, and we had to drive to East Texas because... Chris's aunt had passed away, and they asked him to do her memorial service. And so in the midst of all of this, you know, we were really torn. Like, do we go? Do we stay? You know, but anyway, we as a family had piled in the car, drove to East Texas, spent the night, did the funeral yesterday, and came right back. And on the way back, Chris said, um, is there a verse or anything that has um, struck a chord with you this week? And I was like, oh, geez, like, do I have to list all of them? And he goes, just, just find one and just kind of think about it. And he had asked some others to do the same thing. And, um, and as I was looking through verses and thinking about it, Matthew eleven twenty eight really, really stuck out in my head. And it says, come to me, all of you who are weary, all of you who are tired and heavy laden, I will give you rest. Guys, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm tired. We've been up here. This is just not, it's not about the little family, but we live really close. So um, we've been up here every day, 12, 14, 16 hours a day, just loving on people, taking in donations, all that kind of stuff. And there was one day I went home and I looked at Chris. I said, Chris, I'm empty. My tank is empty. I cannot give anything else. And I went to bed. And got up the next morning, came in, you know. But it was that day, that night. Again, I don't know what day it is, except it's Sunday because we're at church. But all the days have run together. I don't know about you guys. They have for me. And um, we get a call kind of late in the afternoon. And there's a couple named, um, we call them the Camerons. That's her last name. I know her first name is Carla, and I'm not quite sure his name, Mr. Cameron. Um, came in, called and said, hey, we... Uh, We've got a lot of donations. You know, my husband works for Dell, and they've just showered us with a lot of money. We've been shopping, and we're going to come and bring it to you. We're like, yeah, sure, okay. So at 10 o'clock at night, we crawl out of bed, and we come over here and meet them, and we unload. And um, and uh, they were driving back to Georgetown that night to bring to load up and go shopping and bring another load the next day. And uh, that's just one story of some great people that we've met, but... Um, Have you ever wondered what Jesus looks like? I mean, we've seen pictures. We've seen the movies. He's this bearded guy, you know, really sweet face and blah, blah, blah. But I have to tell you, I met Jesus face-to-face this week. And I've met him before, but let me tell you what Jesus looks like. He looks like many of you sitting in here with your sweet smiles, your servant's heart, 
I didn't wear waterproof mascara, so I have to keep it together. Um, he looks like, oh, thanks, Randy, you're a doll. Um, he looks like children that have come with their parents to clean bathrooms, to help scrub potties here at this church. He looks like three beautiful ladies from Comanche, Oklahoma. If you don't know where that is, most of you don't. It's tiny, okay? That came to us, Mandy, Jana, and Ashley. These lovely ladies work in a hair salon, did a drive for donations, got in the truck, had a U-Haul trailer on the back of it, big old pickup truck, U-Haul trailer, and... uh, got in the car, and she told their pastor, or Mandy told their pastor, we're going. We're going to Texas. We don't have a destination. And they said, we know somebody. They connected us. um, They connected those ladies with Kristen and the church and uh, gave them the address. And before you know it, they texted me. They said, "We're, we're an hour out. They made it here. And I cannot tell you, they filled this hallway right here from the floor halfway up the wall, both sides, with things that were given. That's what Jesus looks like. When um, Carla and the Camerons from Georgetown, they kept looking at us going, what are the littles doing? What are you guys doing to take care of yourself? Well, we go to bed at night. We sleep, right? That's, that's what we do. We take care of ourselves that way. And they go, no, what are you doing to take care of yourselves? And you know what, what God gave me? He said, I will give you rest. He gave me an extra week off work. Because I'm a school teacher, you know, that kind of got bumped out. So I can serve. That's the rest he gave me. He, he brought his face. He brought his feet through these people that we met. And uh, the second time Carla and Mr. Cameron... Sorry, I hate Kate that I don't know his first name. Came back. She looked at me and she says, how do you do it? I said, you want to know how I do it? It's people like you who fuel me, bringing the love of Jesus, your hard work out there working for our people of our community. And they're from Georgetown. They don't have any connections here, hardly. It's people like you who refuel me and keep me going. And it's people like you, my second family. I'm so proud to call you that. We always say we have our second family. We just happen to be second Baptists. You are my second family. You have been my Jesus this week. You've filled my tank. And I'm so proud to serve next to each and every one of you. And I'm going to be like Mike. If you don't have a home, make this your second family. 